Hello, everyone. My name's Ariel. Yes, really. And this is Fairy Tale. I think it might be better to take care of business at the end of the show, so we'll hold off on that and jump straight into the stories today. This week, I'm bringing you three stories all of which are fairly short. One from the Iroquois, and if you're not from the U.S., the Iroquois are a Native American nation. Uh, One story from Poland, and one story from Japan. Let's go ahead and get started. Just a reminder, these are some of the older versions of the fairy tales, so they can be a little on the dark side and may not be suitable for children. This first story, from the Iroquois, It's called The Dead Wife. Once upon a time, there was a man and his wife who lived in the forest, very far from the rest of the tribe. Very often they spent the day in hunting together, but after a while the wife found that she had so many things to do that she was obliged to stay home, so he went alone, though he found that when his wife was not with him he never had any luck. One day, when he was away hunting, the woman fell ill, and in a few days she died. Her husband grieved bitterly and buried her in the house where she had passed her life, but as the time went on he felt so lonely without her that he made a wooden doll about her height and size for company, and dressed it in her clothes. He seated it in front of the fire and tried to think he had his wife back again. The next day he went out to hunt, and when he came home the first thing he did was go up to the doll and brush off some of the ashes from the fire which had fallen on its face. But he was very busy now, for he had to cook and mend, besides getting food, and there was no one to help him and so a whole year passed away. At the end of that time, he came back from hunting one night and found some wood by the door and a fire within. The next night there was not only wood and fire, but a piece of meat in the kettle, nearly ready for eating. He searched all about to see who could have done this, but could find no one. The next time he went to hunt, he took care not to go far and came in quite early. And while he was still a long way off, he saw a woman go into the house with wood on her shoulders. So he made haste and opened the door quickly, and instead of the wooden doll, his wife sat in front of the fire. Then she spoke to him and said, The great spirit felt sorry for you, because you would not be comforted. So we let me come back to you, but you must not stretch out your hand to touch me till we have seen the rest of our people. If you do, I shall die. So the man listened to her words, and the woman dwelt there, and brought the wood and kindled the fire, till one day her husband said to her, It is now two years since you died. Let us now go back to our tribe, then you will be well, and I can touch you. And with that he prepared food for the journey, a string of deer's flesh for her to carry, and one for himself, and they started. Now the camp of the tribe was a distant six days' journey, and when they were yet one day's journey off it began to snow, and they felt weary and longed for rest. Therefore they made a fire, cooked some food, and spread out their skins to sleep. Then the heart of the man was greatly stirred, and he stretched out his arms toward his wife, but she waved her hands and said, We have seen no one yet, it is too soon. But he would not listen to her, and caught her to him, and behold, he was clasping the wooden doll. And when he saw it was the doll, he pushed it from him in his misery, and rushed away to the camp and told them all his story. And some doubted, and they went back with him to the place where he and his wife stopped to rest, and there lay the doll. And besides, they saw in the snow the steps of two people, the foot of one, and the foot of one was like the foot of the doll. And the man grieved sore all the days of his life. Hmm. That reminds me of uh, a Greek story. The name's flown out of my head, but the gentleman who goes to 
uh, get his wife from hell, and he can't turn around to look at her until they make it all the way out. Well, not hell, but Hades. Very, very different. The afterlife. Um, starts with an O. Hmm. I'll remember sooner or later. All right. Next, we have a story from Poland. The Flower Queen's Daughter. A young prince was riding one day through a meadow that stretched for miles in front of him when he came to a deep open ditch. He was turning aside to avoid it when he heard the sound of someone crying in the ditch. He dismounted from his horse and stepped along in the direction the sound came from. To his astonishment, he found an old woman who begged him to help her out of the ditch. The prince bent down and lifted her out of her living grave, asking her at the same time how she had managed to get there. My son, cried the old woman, I'm a very poor old woman, and soon after midnight I set out for the neighboring town in order to sell my eggs in the market on the following morning, but I lost my way in the dark, and fell into the steep ditch, where I might have remained forever but for your kindness. Then the prince said to her, You can hardly walk, I will put you on my horse and lead you home. Where do you live? Over there, at the edge of the forest, in the little hut you see in the distance, replied the old woman. The prince lifted her onto his horse, and soon they reached the hut where the old woman got down, and turning to the prince, said, Just wait a moment and I will give you something. And she disappeared into her hut, but very soon returned, and, and said, You are a mighty prince, but at the same time you have a kind heart which deserves to be rewarded. Would you like to have the most beautiful woman in the world for your wife? <laughs> most certainly I would, replied the prince. So the old woman continued, The most beautiful woman in the whole world is the daughter of the Queen of the Flowers, who has been captured by a dragon. If you wish to marry her, you must first set her free, and this I will help you to do. I will give you this little bell. If you ring it once, the king of the eagles will appear. If you ring it twice, the king of the foxes will come to you. If you ring it three times, you will see the king of the fishes by your side. These will help you if you are in any difficulty. Now farewell, and heaven prosper your undertaking. She handed him the little bell, and there disappeared hut and all, as though the earth had swallowed her up. Then it dawned the prince that he had been speaking to a good fairy, and put the little bell carefully in his pocket, and he rode home and told his father that he meant to set the daughter of the flower queen free, and intended setting out on the following day into the wide world in search of the maid. So the next morning the prince mounted his fine horse and left home. He had roamed round the world for a whole year, and his horse had died of exhaustion, while he himself suffered much from misery and want. But still he had come on no trace of her he was in search of. At last, one day he came to a hut, in front of which sat a very old man. The prince said to him, Do you not know where the dragon lives, who keeps the daughter of the flower queen prisoner? No, I do not, answered the old man, but if you go straight along this road for a year, you will reach a hut where my father lives, and possibly he may be able to tell you. The prince thanked him for this information, and continued his journey for a whole year along the same road, and at the end of it came to a little hut where he found a very old man. He asked him the same question, and the old man answered, No, I do not know where the dragon lives, but go straight along this road for another year, and you will come to a hut in which my father lives. I know he can tell you. And so the prince wandered on for another year, always on the same road, and at last reached the hut where he found the third old man. He put the same question to him as he had to his son and grandson, but this time the old man answered, The dragon lives up there on the mountain. He has just begun his year of sleep. For one whole year he is always awake, and the next he sleeps. If you wish to see the flower queen's daughter go up the second mountain, the dragon's old mother lives there, and she has a ball every night, to which the flower queen's daughter goes regularly. 
So the prince went up the second mountain, where he found a castle all made of gold with diamond windows. He opened the big gate leading into the courtyard, and was just about to walk in when seven dragons rushed on him and asked him what he wanted. The prince replied, I have heard so much of the beauty and kindness of the dragon's mother, and would like to enter her service. This flattering speech pleased the dragons, and the eldest of them said, Well, you may come with me, and I will take you to the mother dragon. They entered the castle and walked through twelve splendid halls, all made of gold and diamonds. In the twelfth room they found the mother dragon seated on a diamond throne. She was the ugliest woman under the sun, and, added to it all, she had three heads. Her appearance was a great shock to the prince, and so was her voice, which was the croaking of many ravens. She asked him, Why have you come here? And the prince answered at once, I have heard so much of your beauty and kindness, I would like very much to enter your service. Very well, said the mother dragon, but if you wish to enter my service, you must first lead my mare out of the meadow and look after her for three days, but if you don't bring her home safely every evening, we will eat you up. The prince undertook the task and led the mare out of the meadow, but no sooner had he reached the grass than she vanished. The prince sought for her in vain, and at last in despair sat down on a big stone and contemplated his sad fate. As he sat thus, lost in thought, he noticed an eagle flying over his head. Then he suddenly bethought him of his little bell, and taking it out of his pocket, he rang it once. In a moment he heard a rustling sound in the air behind him, and the king of the eagles sank at his feet. I know what you want of me, the bird said. You are looking for the mother dragon's mare who is galloping about among clouds. I will summon all the eagles of the air together and order them to catch the mare and bring her to you. And with these words, the king of the eagles flew away. Towards evening, the prince heard a mighty rushing sound in the air, and when he looked up, he saw thousands of eagles driving the mare before them. They sank at his feet on the ground and gave the mare over to him. Then the prince rode home to the old mother dragon, who was full of wonder when she saw him, and said, You have succeeded today in looking after my mare. And as a reward, you shall come to my ball tonight. She gave him, at the same time, a cloak made of copper, and led him into a big room where several young he-dragons and she-dragons were dancing together. Here, too, was the flower queen's beautiful daughter. Her dress was woven out of the most lovely flowers in the world, and her complexion was like lilies and roses. As the prince was dancing, he managed to whisper in her ear, I have come to set you free. Then the beautiful girl said to him, If you succeed in bringing the mare back safely on the third day, ask the mother dragon to give you a full of the mare as a reward. The ball came to an end at midnight, and early next morning the prince led the mother dragon's mare out into the meadow. But again she vanished before his eyes. Then he took out his little bell and rang it twice. In a moment the king of the foxes stood before him and said, I know already what you want, and will summon all the foxes of the world together to find the mare who was hidden herself in the hill. With these words, the king of the foxes disappeared, and in the evening many thousand foxes brought the mare back to the prince. Then he rode home to the mother dragon, from whom he received this time a cloak made of silver, and again she led him to the ballroom. The flower queen's daughter was delighted to see him safe and sound, and when they were dancing together she whispered in his ear, If you succeed again tomorrow... Wait for me with the foal in the meadow. After the ball, we will fly away together. On the third day, the prince led the mare into the meadow again, but once more she vanished before his eyes. Then the prince took out his little bell and rang it three times. In a moment, the king of the fishes appeared and said to him, 
I know quite well what you want me to do, and I will summon all the fishes of the sea together and tell them to bring you back the mare, who has hidden herself in a river. Toward evening the mare was returned to him, and when he led her home to the mother dragon, she said to him, You are a brave youth. I will make you my body servant. But what, but what shall I give you as a reward to begin with? The prince begged for a foal of the mare, which the mother dragon at once gave to him, and over and above a cloak made of gold, for she had fallen in love with him because he had praised her beauty. So in the evening he prepared at, so in the evening he appeared at the ball in his golden cloak. Before the entertainment was over, he slipped away and went to the stables where he mounted his foal and rode it out to the meadow to wait for the flower queen's daughter. Towards midnight, the beautiful girl appeared, and, placing her in front of him on his horse, the prince and she flew like the wind till they reached the flower queen's dwelling. But the dragons had noticed their flight, and woke their brother out of his ear's sleep. He flew into a terrible rage when he heard what had happened, and determined to lay siege to the flower queen's palace. But the queen had caused a forest of flowers as high as the sky to grow up around her dwelling, through which no one could force a way. When the flower queen heard that her daughter wanted to marry the prince, she said to him, I will give my consent to your marriage gladly, but my daughter can only stay with you in summer. In winter, when everything is dead and the ground covered with snow, she must come and live with me in my palace underground. The prince consented to this and led his beautiful bride home, where the wedding was held with great pomp and magnificence. The young couple lived together happily till winter came, and the flower queen's daughter departed and went home to her mother. In summer she returned to her husband, and their life of joy and happiness began again, and lasted until the approach of winter when the flower queen's daughter went back again to her mother. This coming and going continued all her life long, and in spite of it, they always lived happily together. Hmm. Reminiscent of the Persephone myth there at the end. Alright, those two were both found in the Yellow Fairy book, um, gathered together by Andrew Ling and his company. And this last one is from the Crimson Fairy book. Uh, story of Japanese origin. Um, for what it's worth, if anyone's confused, uh, Tanuki is... Uh, technically, it's called a raccoon dog. Um, but think something approaching a raccoon. Um, if you ever see those little Japanese statues where something fairly raccoon-like is present with a big uh, sun hat, that is uh, Tanuki. They're also popularly shown, for some odd reason or another, with... Uh, Pronounced male genitalia. I've never quite understood that one myself. How the Wicked Tanuki Was Punished The hunters had hunted the wood for so many years that no wild animal was any more to be found in it. You might walk from one end to the other without ever seeing a hare, or a deer, or a boar, or hear the cooing of doves in their nest. If they were not dead, they had flown elsewhere. Only three creatures remained alive and they had hidden themselves in the thickest part of the forest, high up in the mountain. They were a gray-furred, long-tailed tanuki, his wife the fox, who was one of his own family, and their little son. The fox and the tanuki were very clever, prudent beasts, and they were also very skilled in magic, and by this means they had escaped the fate of their unfortunate friends. If they heard the twang of an arrow or saw the glitter of a spear, ever so far off they lay very still and were not to be tempted from their hiding place, if their hunger was ever so great, or the game ever so delicious. We are not so foolish as to risk our lives, they said to each other quite proudly. But at length there came a day when, in spite of their prudence, they seemed likely to die of starvation, for no more food was to be had. Something had to be done, but they did not know what. Suddenly a bright thought struck the tanuki. 
I have got a plan, he cried joyfully to his wife. I will pretend to be dead, and you must change yourself into a man and take me to the village for sale. It will be easy to find a buyer. Tanuki skins are always wanted. Then buy some food with the money and come home again. I will manage to escape somehow, so do not worry about me. The fox laughed with delight and rubbed her paws together with satisfaction. Well, next time I will go, she said, and you can sell me. And she changed herself into a man, and picking up the stiff body of the tanuki, set off towards the village. She found him rather heavy, but it would have never done to let him walk through the woods and risk being seen by somebody. As the tanuki foretold, the buyers were many, and the fox handed him over to a person who offered the largest price, and hurried to get some food with the money. The buyer took the tanuki back to his house, and throwing him into a corner, went out. Directly, the tanuki found that he was alone, and he crept cautiously through a chink of the window, thinking, as he did so, how lucky it was he was not a fox, and was able to climb. Once outside, he hid himself in a ditch till it grew dusk, and then galloped away into the forest. While the food lasted, they were all three as happy as kings, but soon there arrived a day when the larder was as empty as ever. "'It is my turn now to pretend to be dead,' cried the fox. So the tanuki changed himself into a peasant, and started for the village with his wife's body hanging over his shoulder. A buyer was not long in coming forward, and when they were making the bargain, a wicked thought darted into the tanuki's head, that if he got rid of the fox, there would be more food for him and his son. So he put the money in his pocket and whispered softly to the buyer that the fox was not really dead, and that if he did not take care, she might run away from him. The man did not need twice telling. He gave the poor fox a blow to the head, which put an end to her, and the wicked tanuki went smiling to the nearest shop. In former times he had been very fond of his little son, but since he had betrayed his wife, he seemed to have changed all in a moment, for he would not give him as much as a bite, and the poor fellow would have starved if he had not found some nuts and berries to eat, and he waited on, always hoping that his mother would come back. At length, some notion of the truth began to dawn on him, but he was careful to let the old Tanuki see nothing, though in his own mind he turned over plans from morning till night, wondering best how he might avenge his mother. One morning, as the little Tanuki was sitting with his father, he remembered with a start that his mother had taught him all she knew of magic, and that he could work spells as well as his father, or perhaps better. I am as good a wizard as you, he said suddenly, and a cold chill ran through the Tanuki as he heard him, and he laughed and pretended to think it was a joke. But little Tanuki stuck to his point, and at last the father proposed that they should have a wager. Change yourself into any shape you like, he said, and I will undertake to know you. I will go and wait on the bridge, which leads over the river to the village, and you shall transform yourself into anything you please, but I will know you through any disguise. Little Tanuki agreed and went down the road which his father had pointed out, but instead of transforming himself into a different shape, he just hid himself in the corner of the bridge where he could see without being seen. He had not been there long when his father arrived and took up his place near the middle of the bridge, and soon after the king came by, followed by a troop of guards and all his court. Ah, he thinks that now he has changed himself into a king, I shall not know him, thought the old Tanuki, and as the king passed by in his splendid carriage, borne by his servants, he jumped upon it, crying, I have won my wager, you cannot deceive me, but in reality it was he who had deceived himself. The soldiers, conceiving that their king was being attacked, seized the Tanuki by the legs and flung him over into the river, and the water closed over him. The little Tanuki saw it all and rejoiced that his mother's death had been avenged. Then he went back to the forest, and if he has not found it too lonely, he's probably living there still. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. If you'd like to help support this podcast and help me pay Scott, my editor, living wage, you can find us on Patreon at Fairy Tale Podcast. The page needs to be fleshed out a little, but the basics are there. You can also support my general uh, 
creative efforts in uh, the arts, a comic. I'm hoping to release the opening chapter too soon. And uh, I'm in various cosplay efforts at uh, ko-fi.com slash chaos underscore lily. That's L-I-L-L-Y. You can also Venmo me at Castle Creations. Again, that's L-I-L-L-Y. Uh, both of those are one-time donation-styled sites. Uh, you can also connect with me on or at Chaos Lily Creations on Instagram. Find me on Facebook at Chaos Lily Creations or email me at chaoslilycreations at gmail.com. Please remember to uh, leave a rate and review. And if at all you're interested in the true crime side of things, um, in the coming weeks, please look forward to uh, something my friend Caroline and I are throwing together. Uh, the Rocky Mountain Murder Factory, a true crime podcast. Thank you again so much for listening. This is Ariel, swimming off. Real quick, Scott, if you could include this at the beginning. And thus he sat lost in thought, as he sat lost in thought, as he sat thus, as he sat thus lost in thought, he noticed an eagle flying over his head. In a moment he heard the rustling sound of, in a moment he heard a rustling sound in the air. <sighs> he was turning aside to avoid it. <laughs> Wicket's opinion of the story, apparently. But still, Wicket, stop it. Nyet. Nyet. Little house guardian. I have got a plan, he cried joyfully to his wife. Wicket! Wait till he's done coughing. He's probably busy inhaling his food. I have got a plan, he cried joyfully to his wife. Wicket! Are you okay? I'm going to pause this for a second while I go check on my dog. Wicket, stop. Stop. Now that that seems to have calmed down. Um, while the food lasted, they were all as, all three as happy as king. Hmm. Conceiving that their king was being attacked, set up, or in, uh, backing up. Okay, starting over. The fox and the tanuki were very clever, prudent breeze. breeze. Suddenly, a bright thought struck the fanu- I, I have got a plan, he cried joyfully to his wife. Wow, I can't speak today. 